I'm Vince. And I'm Travis. And we're about to ruin your games and stuff. This is Travis! Welcome to Undesign. What's up, Travis? Hi, Vince. How 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 are you today? I'm good, man. How you, you doing? You want to talk about some rats and bats? I do. I do. You rolled a topic. Oh, that's weird. Okay, yeah, I rolled a topic, and it was an interesting roll because it's it's you know you came out swinging with it. Um, it was fourteen goddamn rats, goddamn bats, piddly monsters in a game. Yes. Yes. Goddamn rats, goddamn bats. Yes. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about this one. This has been a, a on my mind for many a year, my friend. Uh, this is something that I'm keen to talk about. So let me let me see if I can frame this for you. Okay. Well, what's this mean, bro? All right. Travis, have you ever played a massively multiplayer online role playing game? Yeah, man. I've I have killed boars in the forest for hours. There you go. That's right. So killing rats outside of town is the classic joke for MMOs, right? Where you would have to, in your early levels, you wouldn't find anything of value. You'd wander outside of town and squish rats or something. Yeah. And as well, this can also, of course, manifest in the tabletop space. Uh, and your it's regular- probably where it, where it comes from, yeah. Yeah, in your tabletop games where you're just sort of killing piddly monsters you know swarms of things kobolds and similar are a classic in D. &D. Uh, interestingly I think, I think people see kobolds that way but they're not right they don't well, have to be like they don't have to be regular rats have to be regular rats like there's not like like they don't they, they, they aren't they aren't as as sentient as a kobold right right sure a kobold is a sentient thinking being yes it could actually be it an can have more character that's right uh but you know this could be a thing in D, D as well various little beasts and swarms of things and animals and you know wolves and whatever and i want to expand it somewhat beyond this because uh oh by the way mob. this goes all the way back to something like dragon warrior the the originator of all modern art you gotta RPG kill slimes games. all day slimes all day baby that's right and so here's the way I think of this. I commonly call these monsters yard trash. You're picking trash up yard it. trash. It's just, you know, there's no actual advancement to the story. There's no real point to it. It's window dressing in a dungeon or in an adventure. It's even it's worse. Just, it's just a time filler. It's it's busy yes, work. Exactly. It's oh crap. I only have enough story to fill three hours of game, but my game is going to be four and a half hours long. I better add a couple fights, two or three fights with yard trash, right? Well, okay, yeah. So, so if it's if it's yard trash, though, it do doesn't doesn't a scene need some some amount of fluff and setting relevant junk, right? Uh -huh. Like, like if if you're going to go into a deep dark cave, yes, doesn't it make sense that some of that has to be there, even if it isn't story relevant? Because you you need it to, to paint a picture. You need it to set a scene. Well, I think this is exactly what I wanted to discuss. Like, how useful is this? Right. It's easy to be, to say, to take the point of view that, um, oh, all fights should only be story relevant. It right. should only Every encounter should matter. Right. You think about this a lot in action movies where people will say, like, the, the scenes that are the most impactful uh, in an action movie where you've got a fight scene or something like that. 
is when you have the two characters, uh, your protagonist and antagonist, who have a lot of emotional buildup mm-hmm. confronting each other, right? Yeah. I think of, like, the, the end of Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. right? When Luke yes. goes back oh. and confronts Vader. And yes, exactly. Like, that's a loaded, charged scene, right? It's important. Yeah. He's, there's so many emotional beats in that. It goes back and forth, blah, 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 right? It's a great scene. It's very memorable. But they can't all be that way. Right. Sometimes you have to have Minox. Sometimes you've got to have Minox. Sometimes you've got to have Ewoks hitting stormtroopers with rocks or whatever, right? right? Whatever you're Of course, it's much more limited in, in like, movie film um, kind of genre. But, I mean, once you get to, like, television series, there are lots of, like, instances of where it's put to good use, where things – where using using goddamn bats, goddamn rats, and piddly monsters, like, makes a difference. Like, like, I'm sure there's – 30 or 40 Buffy episodes um, that start with just like Buffy slaying some random whatever. Right. right? Absolutely. And, and it's important because it's a backdrop to the series, but it's not actually important to or relevant to whatever plot lines happening. Yes. And, and what I'll say though is, so that's a great example. Let's, let's dig in on that for a moment. Okay. Sure. Because I think Buffy is a show that used this rather wisely. What I mean by that is uh, absolutely. You're right. So let's let's take a couple good examples. There are times when she's first starting out where she's fighting sort of common vampires, not the master or stuff like that. And there are challenges to it where she's still learning. Right. You see her in in the early season still having some trouble with, you know, basic vamps. And there's a real fight there. Okay. so again, it's it is just a nothing fight. There's no emotional buildup. She doesn't know who this thing is. It's just a random monster threat vampire person. But it's still being used to push on the thematic elements of the overall story, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, the, these these things she's fighting are, are are a constant menace. Like they're always around, and you have to give. They're giving the viewer uh, that that experience. This is always going to be happening. Right now, let's fast forward a few seasons. I think into like season five and six, they use it where there's there's a scene. I don't remember exactly where it happens, but. Literally, the vampire is just coming out of the grave. Like, it's it's digging its way out, okay? And yes. she stakes him right there. Okay. Before he does a thing, before he's anything, he's dust. Like, he isn't yep. even out of the dirt. And it's it's nothing more than punching in at work to her at this point, right? It's yep. rote. She has mastered this task. And so that's— Interestingly enough, it goes even further, I think, because there, there's another episode in, the, in those same seasons where— uh, I believe I believe Buffy and, and Willow are sitting in front of a gravestone and a, and a vampire starts coming out of the grave. And this is also character building because the vampire listens to them talking and they're just like talking about yes. school or something. And then he looks around them and sees like all these tools, like like stakes and crosses and stuff. Yeah. And he's just like, no, I don't want any of this. And he runs away. Yes. OK. Th- I think both of those examples are are things that that would make sense in an RPG setting. Like if you're, if you're playing a tabletop game. Absolutely. Now there's one more I want to highlight on, because this Buffy thing is so rich with how they use yes. their yard trash. Do you remember the episode in, I want to say it's season six where she go, a vampire comes out, she goes to take him and realizes that she knows him, that he like went to high school with her now and he had become mm-hmm. a psychologist. And the whole episode is her, Getting psycho yes, conversations with dead people. It's a very, very popular episode amongst the fan base. Yeah. Thank you very much. I couldn't remember the name of it. Okay. Great episode, right? And 
this is the kobold example you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Right? Suddenly because, you find one that's got a personality. It's something, someone, yeah. Right. This isn't just a uh, another random mob, as it were, for her to kill, right? As many we've seen in the past were, whether used her thematic or comedic effects as it was in the in the episode you just highlighted, right? Instead, it's used for a very relevant story moment that exposes character, allows her to grow, allows her to have a really conversation, a really deep conversation, and to play very deeply in the themes of that season and the sort of emotional journey she's on at that moment, right? With what's basically something that, as we just mentioned many times before, has been little more than window dressing on an episode. More importantly, I think— is that that's that that moment could those moments could not exist without the previous moments setting up the scene setting the window dressing all of the previous trash fights right right well, yeah because, because it, it would it wouldn't have the same impact because then it's then it you wouldn't have had all of the experience of oh these are all just trash right yes you understand the context for it mm-hmm. I, I think that's exactly right so i think the challenge is how do you when I think about it now, and you think about your tabletop games, mm-hmm. <clears throat> how do you use this stuff in a smart way? Because I'll be honest, the whole murder hobo, you know, D&D is a game of racially based home invasion, murder and theft. That concept, I'll be honest, it doesn't interest me much anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. When we're dealing with sentient beings that have a thought and a perspective and could have like some kind of attitude it's not that you never are going to kill them like D, we've talked about alignment and morality in D before and how like murder seems to be pretty much on the table because it's a more violent brutal world right fine right and even more so racially and religious based murder happens all the time right right but that being said it doesn't have to always play out that way. And you can still have yard trash that is, uh, that's really tonal. I think, cause that's what you're, you're hitting on, right? Is that if you're in the deep, dark cave, you need to see the things that are in the deep, dark cave. And not all of them are going to be some emotionally resonant boss right. fight. Some of them are just going to be aggressive, mean things that live in the deep, dark cave. Right. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, as, uh, certainly like when you said window dressing, I, yes, it sounds like a minimizing statement, but it's actually an important statement. You have to have when some window dressing, otherwise a thing doesn't feel like the thing it's supposed to be, like the cave. Um, now, when when working as a GM um, with with piddly monsters, like just just little stuff uh, that fits the setting and fits a place and a time, um, you need. I think the most important thing is to be open to the possibility that what you're what you are putting forth as as window dressing and yard trash isn't actually and that something kind of can evolve out of a situation right you've right. got to be open and ready to say okay well a pc just interacted with this thing in a way that i didn't expect so let's turn it into a real thing right right um an, an example would be you know there's a there's a bunch i i had a game where there was a bunch of frost giants and they were um they had tons of tons and tons of cash around um, in a in a keep that the PCs were were attacking, um, and one of the PC and and these these frost giants were just basically window dressing. They they were not particularly de- uh, like 
um, important to the storyline or anything. They right. Were just this wasn't to... against the Giants. This wasn't part of some larger sweeping intra scene political conflict or something, right? Right. Yeah. It did. It did not have massive, massive narrative impact. It was just an important thing because that's where they were, and that's what, those are the kinds of things that inhabit this place. Yep. Um, well, th- so they ended up attacking the place, and dur- mid fight, one of the one of the wizards casts uh, some some mental aug- aug- augmenting magic. Okay. A charm, a dominate, or something like that. Right. Yeah. Basically, basically, I think it was called brain kill or something. It removes okay. all memories uh, from from whoever you cast it on, or something like that. Something to that effect. Sure. And then some other spell. So he mentally manipulated this giant and said, "All these giants are trying to take our money." And, and okay, so all <laughs> these giants who have all this money around, right? Yep. So all these giants are trying to take our money, buddy giant. You're my friend, remember? And the giant looks around. He sees all this money and a bunch of giants in the distance. You know. He's stacking money, and he's like, oh, no, we got to stop him. Let's go, bud. <laughs> and suddenly this giant becomes a member of the party. Right. Um, and that continued – I mean that, that, that happened, and it continued on for, for basically forever. It became an NPC in the world throughout several campaigns. That's um, awesome. So you, so you just have to be ready to address the fact that Yard Trash can become more, like the, the kobold we talked about that you run into that suddenly has a personality. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've shared previously the story of me getting the goblin cohort with books, right? The little buddy yeah. back in second edition who I eventually taught magic to, right? And he and like the day he first cast his or the day he cast his first magic missile, I felt so proud, right? Uh, let me talk about the way that I structured this in a, a fairly recent game because I do agree with you. This stuff has to be there. Plus, it's also just fun. Can we talk about? Let me before I tell my anecdote. Let me just get this out of the way. It's just fun sometimes. It's it's fun to to wade through some trash. Right, it makes like, you feel like a hero. Like you could do anything. Like you're 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 Superman versus the robbers. The robbers have guns. Yes. You're Superman. Nothing can happen here that's bad for you. Only things that are bad for the robbers can happen here. Exactly. Like oh, you got on the wrong train. Kind of moment. Right. Yep. It's like there is a great amount of fun that happens when this stuff is used conservatively, when it's not all the time, when it doesn't become rote, when it doesn't become every day. We've got to go through four or five encounters of this stuff like, ugh, that's when it starts to wear on you. Right. But when once in a while you get to stretch your legs and just be like, oh, you done effed up now, sons. Right. Like I was about to show you what this is all about. And your PCs just get to take some people out to the woodshed. Uh, that can be really cathartic. Like some part of playing these games is supposed to be fun, right? I think it's both cathartic and important to almost any storyline that deals with with growth, um, and and training and learning Absolutely. and things like that. Like you, uh, like you have to if you if you if you start start as just 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 Daniel, and then you learn to become the Karate Kid. You need to see how that turns out, right? That's you right. need to see how far you've come. Um, yeah, I I played a lot of Oblivion. I don't know if you ever played Oblivion. Yes, I played plenty. I played I played enough Oblivion to know I don't like that style of game. But yes, Oblivion. Right, and so one of the sort of things about Oblivion that I so hate, the Elder Scrolls Oblivion. This is a, this yes. is a video game, right? Yes, right, exactly. One of the things about it that I hate, and literally I have a whole separate topic about, so we'll we'll rant on that another time in deeply. But is that as you level, the world levels to meet you, right? Yes. Everything kind of stays equal. So like. If you wander out in the wilderness and you're level 10, what's out there is level 10. If you're level 100, it's all level 100. It's it's always equal and sort of danger to you. Right. I despise that. That is horrible. So, so more, feel... more, more granular, 
if you if if you go to a, a very specific cave on the map, all right, and you go into it at level four, and there's spiders in it. Those spiders are level four. Okay. Right. Yep. And if you if you if you didn't do that, okay, and you instead came at level one hundred, those spiders are level one hundred. And they're like so, hell spiders and crazy. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. That's that's okay. That, all right. So exactly. Go ahead. Right. Sorry. No, you're fine. So I, I despise that because you never feel like you actually did anything. You never feel like you actually advanced, right? There was no advancement there, yeah. Right. Like, like okay, well, I, I guess uh, I, I have, you know, all this insane magical weaponry and armor and all these skills trained up, but I guess these spiders can still kill me in five hits. All right. Right. And it's one of the reasons, you know, I think back to, like, I mean, I'm sure you remember the Lord of the Rings movies. I do. Uh, do you remember the moment they at, a lot. Uh, indeed on what is it Amon Sur or whatever I'm not sure but I don't remember but they're on the lookout spot and uh, and Aragorn tells Frodo like okay you got to take the ring you got to go get out of here and all the orcs are coming and he like rounds the corner of the lookout spot and there's like 30 orcs and he just picks up the sword and puts it in front of his face like come on let's do this and then he like He's just against a horde of orcs, yeah. right? But this is Aragorn, son of Arathorn, right? Like, blood of Numenor is strong in him, yeah? That's and true. He's, this is not a fight those orcs are going to come out on the right side of, <laughs> yeah? Like, they are outnumber him 30 to 1, and this mm -hmm. is a bad day for them, right? That's a great moment to feel that. And you see that in those movies. Those movies have very emotional scenes and moments of great high peaks of emotional confrontation. The the confrontation with the, the Witch King and so on later on, right? Uh, I am no man and all that. Uh, that's a great emotional payoff. But there's lots of just like people being in fights and it's fun. It's good color of the world. You get the sense of the war of the battle. Uh, so that's a way you can go right. Most it. of the war set pieces are very interesting, even though it's just a bunch of nobodies versus these awesome heroes. Right. And you get the sense that these heroes are great heroes. Like they are well-skilled and well-trained and, you know, powerful by the, the nature of this world. So the importance you, is obviously finding a balance. It's all about that's right. putting, putting, using, using this <clears throat> sparingly. You want to use, you want to use the, the goddamn rats and the goddamn bats sparingly. But you don't want them to not be there. You don't want to fall into the trap of everything has to be pivotally important in your game. You got to have some of it. But you know, on the other hand, you can't let it get out of hand. You can't just like have seven seven rooms in a row in a dungeon that are just full of garbage mobs and nothing interesting happens. You right. Know? Right. You've got to you got to mix it up. Yeah. So so now let me get to my anecdote that I promised several Do minutes it. ago. Okay. Here's how I handled this in a recent game that I DM'd. So it was a marathon game, and it was the game where all my PCs were golems, okay? They were all these sort of different golems. They lived in a golem society. It was a completely golem-based society. There was nothing in the society that wasn't golems. And the act one of that story was a sort of murder mystery, and it was in their society, which is very peaceful and has never had a murder. They were solving literally the first murder in the history of their people, okay? And so there was no violence. There was no fights. Like there were sort of confrontational words every so often where people would get kind of angry. But it was a purely emotional beat in Act One, right? It was mystery and puzzles and lies and deceptions and stuff like that, right? And unpacking this. And then in Act Two, they left their city, which is a very peaceful place, and they go into these uh, caves down into the Underdark. And 
they met lots of different things. And the trick was every sentient thing they met had a non-peaceful resolution to it. Now, it could also have combat. I wrote that in there, right? And I just let the PCs decide where they wanted to go. But because the PCs spent so much time talking to people in Act 1, right, and, like, resolving their problems uh, in a fashion that isn't just straight to the sword... It becomes a natural response. It becomes a natural response. And so every time they dealt with sentient creatures, goblins and, and everything like that, they would try to talk their way out of it. And they found peaceful resolutions. There were still costs. There was still time. There was still investment and sometimes sacrifice of other types of resources. But it was very rewarding for them, right? Because they felt like they were diplomatic, like they were building relationships. However, the Underdark is also full of sort of what I would think of as more mindless monsters, Right. Ropers and rust monsters and audiogs and, and whatever, whatever, right? These kind of just eating Things machines. Are, yeah, they're 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 wild animals, more likely. Yes, like super fantasy world wild animals that are very dangerous, right? And I used those interspersed in between these uh, more diplomatic scenes as they're going through the caves to set the tone that oh yeah, guess what? The Underdark, it's dangerous, right? It's full of hook horrors and ropers and things that just want to murder you and steal your tasty vittles from inside of your 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 creamy, delicious center, right? Uh, although they didn't have a creamy, delicious center as many. I mean, they're they're made of like now. rocks. Because they're made of rocks and, stuff, and metal. So yes. However, the rust monster they were full of creamy, delicious vittles for that <laughs> yeah. rust monster. Uh, and there is nothing scarier to metal a party golems, of, let's go. Yeah, of golem PCs, mostly metal golem PCs than uh, than a rust monster. Um, so, like, there they got both right. Mm -hmm. The yard trash was there for color. the 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 monsters are fairly mindless. They're basically eating machines. They're there because they're sort of they have this natural predatory instinct to defend their territory, and it makes sense. It it says, "Hey, you're in a dangerous place," right? And so that's good. But then also they have these other things, which could be fights or could be diplomacy. And in this case, they chose diplomacy. And so it, they, they got to experience sort of the full spectrum and understood the tone and tenor of the beings, both sentient and otherwise, as it were, that occupy the Underdark. And it felt like a good balance, right, mm -hmm. where I would have sort of one or two of these yard trash encounters for every one bigger potential scene that might be much more involved where they get into like a diplomatic negotiation relationship with sentient creatures right because those can be quite long mm -hmm. i think it's I, I think it's certainly good practice to to show your players that there are other solutions than always the sword even when it comes to yard trash right um and i i think that's what you're expressing yeah then, then they can make that choice they can make the choice of whether they want to fight through it or they want to talk through it um but you have to let them know that that, that that's okay you know um, yep. Sometimes people get caught up in video game mindset where you're just like, oh, it's a bunch of bunch of friggin' kobolds. Time to pull out the sword. Yep. I, I think that's exactly right. And that's why I liked having that act one that was more thoughtful, reserved, dip diplomatic, where they where they couldn't resolve things with violence. Right. The society was just aggressively nonviolent. Right. So they knew that going in and knew that their path forward was talking and working and trying to find their way through lies and truths and, and that kind of thing and using political power and, and 
sort of leaning on people in the right way to get things done. And I think that if you you've got to be careful what tone you strike early in a game. If the first thing you do in your game, as we classically often have done, is you're guarding a caravan and you get attacked by goblins and you murder all the goblins. If that's the tone you set adventure one, then what you've told the PCs right away is this is a game where random things are going to attack you. And the right answer is you murder them done. That's it. You've, mm. you've said that's how you're going forward. So you can't expect your PCs to suddenly turn on a dime and start acting differently when you just told them that's how they should be acting. Right. So, so let's wrap it up. Um, all right, Vince. So goddamn bats, goddamn rats, piddly monsters in a game. What's your final thoughts? My final thoughts are they have value when used to set tone, to strike themes, when used in creative or even sometimes comedic ways, as Buffy showed us. Uh, they can show the type of environment, what's dangerous and what's not. They should be used sparingly and when you're needing to do that. But you need to watch the tone you're setting through the inclusion of these things and make sure that you're always allowing and helping your PCs reach alternative options of resolution with creatures that could be sentient, where they might grow and build and foster long-term relationships that are far more interesting and compelling and ultimately valuable to your characters and to your memory of the game and to your fun than just putting yet another goblin to the end of your sword. I think that's that's totally the way to go with it. Um, that's goddamn rats, goddamn bats, piddly monsters in a game. You might want to change that title. Undesigned. Undesigned. All right. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. Hey, give us a rating and a review on iTunes. Share this with your friends. Uh, if you've got somebody who's into role-playing games, you've got a group, hey, share this out. That's super awesome. We love it when people share. Uh, if you've got questions, there's an email address you can find down below. Feel free to drop an email. But as always, I really appreciate you listening to this one, and we'll talk to you next time. Watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Watch it. It's good. Mm -hmm.